Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pete the Planner Show. I'm adjusting my sound levels. I'm starting the show. I even started before Dame got here. Hey, Dame, how are you? Wow, I was wondering what was going on there, but good morning. Before you got here. Yeah, look at you. I like to be on time. I made you late because I was just got off another event about 15 seconds ago. And so now I'm trying to fix my sound levels. Hello, everyone on the podcast who's like, who cares? Uh, and hello to everyone on the live stream who, who does care and joins us uh, every week. Um, Dame, does my sound sound okay? Well, if you quit moving your head and talking, I'd be able to tell you a little bit better. That's fair. Um, okay, I think it sounds good. Yeah, you're okay good. right now. Ah, big Rick Swank. Good morning. Uh, I do need a Miguel. I think if I sent a Slack message to one of our coworkers, Dame, that said, bring me Miguel, that's a little bit over the top, so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Mr. Pinkins, good day to you. Good day. Dame, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. I'm ready to go, man. Let's let's do this. Um, I uh, Jeremiah asked a very fair question here on Facebook oh. Live. Oh. Pete, are we relaxed? Are we good to go? Do you have a meeting in 55 minutes? Um, good day, Danza. Um, I'm good. I'm I'm legit. I don't have anything until 12:30 today. I have an investor mm -hmm. meeting at 12:30. I'm good until then. Hello, Lee. Good to be with you. I am going to get a Miguel, though. So, Dame, can you entertain, entertain the troops for a second so I can get some caffeine in me? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. So this is what we like to uh, refer to as our, our little special time together without the distraction of, of Pete or, or maybe the, the craziness that Miguel brings in. So uh, we've got a great show lined up for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, current realities with thousand uh, point swings. Uh, Rick, big Mother's Day plans this weekend. Actually, uh, we do. We're taking everybody to uh, um, out for lunch. Uh, my mother-in-law, my mom, uh, my sister-in-law, everybody. Everybody's going out to lunch this weekend, and uh, it's it's on us. So good for them, right? All right. Uh, Pete, big Mother's Day plans this weekend? You know, big soccer weekend. Um, my daughter's regional gymnastics championships this weekend. I, I, I'm going out after the show today to buy my wife and my mom a gift. Like I, yeah, those are the, those are the plans. Uh, is Cassie back in town? Yes, she's back in town. Uh, I gotta tell you, my uh, my father in law called me while she was gone and said, uh, "Dame, uh, uh, should I go out and and buy the ladies some corsages for Mother's Day this year?" I was like, "Yeah, absolutely. That seems like a very appropriate thing that you would suggest." And so I'm not going to squash it and say that it might be from an era past. But uh, I was just thinking, go, what year is this? I mean, go, go all, buy some you know, corsages. Go all for due it. respect. So, yeah. Is, no, uh, I, I, very sweet of him to, to suggest it, though. Dame, I have... Uh, oh, Penguin's heading to the Derby tomorrow. Uh, what horses would you like me to place a wager on, Ooh. Pete and Dame? Dame, uh, can you pull up the, the ponies that are running tomorrow? Yeah, let me get that real quick. Uh, let me get the research team on that. Hold on. Uh, Dame, I've not talked to you much this week, so uh, it is actually... Th this is the time of the week that you and I get to spend a lot of time together, and uh, it's nice to see you. Yeah, and you managed to... Uh, to, to shrink that amount of time that uh, that we get to spend together today so uh, that was fantastic oh, great planning all right on your part um i have to say i think it was spencer on my twitter account hold on uh a listener of the show yeah spencer pelfrey sent me the most horrendous story of him driving an uber ever it's on his twitter feed if you want to go find it uh spiefy peef <laughs> It's his Twitter handle, S-P-E-E-F-Y-P-E-E-F, Speefy Peef. 
You can read the most horrendous Uber driver story of all time. He says he likes our travel stories on the air. Uh, so go read Speefy Peef's nightmare of an Uber story. I can't would read it like on the air. That's how bad it is. Oh, uh, would you like me to read the names of the uh, the horses in the uh, uh, the derby please, tomorrow? Please do. Uh, Mo Donegal. Okay. Happy Happy Jack. Okay. Epicenter. All right. Summer is tomorrow. Mm. Smile happy. Mm. Uh, I'm guessing this one's pronounced Messier, like the the hockey player. That's how it's spelled. So I'm guessing Messier is how it's pronounced. Uh -huh. uh, Crown Pride, Charge It, Tis the Bomb, Zandon, Pioneer of Medina, or Medina, uh, Taiba, Simplification, Barber Road, White Abario, Cyberknife. Classic Causeway, Tawny Port, Zozos, and Ethereal Road. I'm going with Ethereal Road. It's the only one I can hey, that's, remember. That's a 30 to 1 pick. Uh, so you're going to, and fully on the outside. So so that's a, a bold, bold choice there, Mr. Dunn. Do you like the ponies? No, I have known nothing about them. I don't either. All right, let's, oh, Brian, but, go ahead. Put a buck but, down. Better, the, the better question is, uh, uh, does your dad have any uh, interest in the, in the ponies this year? My father-in-law uh, father does like Sorry. the horse racing. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't talked to him recently, so maybe. Not not a co-owner of any of the horses? Uh, Rick, Big Rick Swink asks, what's the Twitter handle again? It is uh, of the story, the Uber story. Speefy Peef. <laughs> I, I got to quit saying that. It sounds Sp dirty. Spelled, spelled like it sounds. S-P-E-E-F-Y. Yeah. P E E F. That's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Good day, Jeremy. Pilot Jeremy. All right. Dame, I sent you like a show lineup at like seven this morning. Um, let's do it. Uh, da, 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 da. Are you good? Are you going to get some time off this afternoon, hopefully? I mean, I, I'm bailing a little early, but that's because I'm on my way to another event. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's not like it's uh, just, just chilling. Yeah. All right. Good. Um, all right. Let's start. <laughs> good. You're not. You're not relaxing. Just. Just move on. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Don't relax. Yeah, right. All right. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. That's ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com, and we will do our darndest to answer said question. Joining me as always, Damian Dunn. Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line. Also, no relation despite having the same last name. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Before I forget, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, both uh, both here who are still with us and those who have already passed. Uh, so happy Mother's Day to, to all the mothers out there. Uh, Dame, you want to send a special message to the mothers in your life? I think you've said it all, Pete. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, happy Mother's Day to Jameson. Okay, so Dame, this week on the show, what should 1,000-point market swings tell us about our current reality? We're going to talk about that. Uh, our inv uh, investment prediction update. Oh, boy, that's going to get real horrible real fast. Uh, my favorite article of the week I read in which uh, journalism students are predicting what their incomes are going to be upon graduation uh wow yeah. fake news it's yeah. real oh, yeah. you're wrong <laughs> yeah it's, oh man that's a that's a nightmare so we're talking about that and then biggest waste of money of the week 
and the news. Dame, any time there is a week in which there are multi 1,000 point swings over a five day trading week, it's it's reason to perk up and go, what's that now, Chuck? Um, what is going on? The confluence of so many different uh, inputs right now, anywhere from uh, still a, a supply chain issues to interest rates going up to some instability geopolitically that's causing some some issues, uh, potential issues in, in food chain uh, stuff. I mean, there are so many different factors that are influencing the the macroeconomic um, sphere of, of everything that's going on with us that investors aren't investors and um, politicians uh, anybody who has anything to do with what those prices look like right now they don't know where things are going and I I understand that could be unsettling to hear but it's the truth and frankly it's the truth most of the time. It's just the fact that we we're having some some huge volatility right now doesn't mean that there's any um, surety in in where we think uh, prices are going to go on a day to day basis. But what we've got right now is just the the realization that there are so many unknowns about how global events and and local events could impact our economy. And, uh, you know, how we see that uh, referenced in our daily lives, the stock prices of, of the companies we invest in, we don't know how that's going to impact it. And so people are jumping in and jumping out and sometimes in, in really, really big numbers. You know, sometimes I can't understand who's on the other side, who's on the sell side of these transactions when they're when, when everything's flipping. This is a very honest admission here when the market is just going tanking who are all these people selling and and locking in their losses i you know I, I thought of this metaphor the other day imagine of course like everyone your investment journey is like you're going on a family road trip mm-hmm. <laughs> a family road trip is the laziest financial metaphor of all time <laughs> and you're going and there's a big detour and the detour is that the, the stock market went down right the stock market went down so you're forced to go on this detour and what happens when people sell in a down market is like you just get out of the car and you're just like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what? I don't understand who's on the sell side of these things. It could be a number of people, honestly. I mean, there's uh, people who are scared, who, who just what you you described, they, they don't um... – they don't have the stomach for it or, or they think, you know what, I'm going to be retiring soon. I don't want to put my money at risk. And so instead of making sure that I was in an appropriate portfolio before, uh, I'm just out. I'm out. So people who are terrified, one of them, people who have their portfolios automatically rebalance could be on some of this side uh, because changes in the market uh, could impact the overall balance of their portfolio. If it's triggered to rebalance automatically, there's going to be some sell there. It's not going to be huge uh, volumes of of uh, shares that are getting sold, but there's going to be some transactions there. If there's enough of them, it could turn out to be a, a pretty significant amount. And the last one that I came up with are the smart people. And I use that with air quotes for everybody that's <laughs> listening and not, not watching. Smart people uh, that think they, well, I'm just going to get out now and then I'm going to buy back in at the bottom after everything's all all shook out and the volatility's over and I'll ride it all the way back up to the top. What we know, 
that doesn't work. If if the average market return is typically in the seven to eight percent range, the average investor actually gets three percent return a year because they uh, jump in and out of the market and they try and time it and make the uh, decision that nobody else sees that, that they do very clearly, and it ends up costing them. And getting out of the market and trying to get back in and time it is one of the classic uh, investing missteps that people make. A market indicator that several people uh, keep their eye on is called the CBOE Volatility Index, or the VIX for short, which Dame has spiked 12% today. Uh, and it is a good measure of volatility. When when the market is going to go haywire, it, the, the VIX goes up. And when the market is very steady and predictable, the, the VIX is down. In fact, uh, the most secure point in the market in the last oh, 52 weeks was actually October 22nd or there about, uh, the, that was the low of the VIX, October 22nd of 2021. And the, the worst part of the VIX, uh, unsurprisingly, I believe was at the beginning of the uh, Russian action in Ukraine, mm-hmm. which was March 7th. I would guess because I'm looking at it here and it's a huge spike on March 7th. It says that's when the market was the most volatile that has to be matched up with Ukraine, right? It's got to be right around that time. It would make sense. And and we're, you know, we're right on par with that here today as we record on, uh, I don't know, <laughs> no one knows what today is, May 6th. Is that, is that where we're at? Six, some 60 days later? Yes, today is May 6th. Fantastic. All right, so so here's our point. Should you, should us... Should we be concerned with two 1,000-point swings in a week? Uh, Dame, I will give my answer, and then you give the better answer. Um, It's worth noting, but it's not necessarily worth taking action at 44 years old or 88 years collectively. You and I don't necessarily aren't going to take action to lessen the burden. Although if we had some dry powder, as they say in the biz, we could arguably invest more right now. Totally. Uh, The opportunities to put more into the market are robust right now. And if you think, if you believe that the market is going to end higher by the time you need that money, great time to invest. By the way, that's almost always the situation. If you've got a plenty of time horizon and you think the market's going to be higher, always a good time to invest. I know that sounds like a very canned and uh, salesy line from somebody who is in the industry or was in the industry, but no, that's just actually how it works. Um, I, I agree, Pete. Uh, it's it's uh, not anything that I'm going to do um, or make any changes in my portfolio with. Uh, if you are spooked by things like that, you need to talk to a professional, make sure your portfolio is uh, allocated appropriately and diversified the way it, it should be. But uh, you're not going to <laughs> you're not going to make a, a huge change in the events that have already happened, and all you can do is prepare yourself going forward. Getting out of the market is likely not the answer for you. Yeah, even alternative investments such as cryptocurrency are, are really even suffering quite a bit right yep. now as as those prices are depressed. So, Dame, let's do this. Let's bring some joy to this hellhole of an investment landscape by talking about our investment predictions, our investment prediction update four full months into our contest. Who are the winners? None of us. And who are the losers? Both of us. That's next right here on the Pete the Planet Show. 
Yeah. Beat the planner. Danza came up with a line that I was struggling for in my head, uh, starting a land war in Asia. That was what I was going for. Oh, I missed that. Um, I sent you an article with Warren Buffett earlier this week or some of his comments or Charlie Munger, one of them. And the funniest thing about that, how can you not look at those two at the Berkshire Hathaway meetings and not think that they're the two guys in the Muppets? Standing exactly up? what I was saying. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I would pay to have somebody set you know, create their next set for one of those as the little box uh, from the Muppet show with, with them sitting in just these nice red uh, crushed velvet chairs and making comments. That'd be great. I, I wrote a column, I I think a year ago, so I, you know me, I could have been last week, um, about I think the strangest thing that's going to happen was a prediction that when the market, it was when the market was good. It was So yeah. I, I think it was probably in like October. Those were the days. Yeah. I was like, you know, when things get weird, because they're going to get weird, I know it. You just knew it was going to happen. What are these n- newer investors, the least experienced investors, who all they've known is a 13-year bull run, what are they going to do? When Hulk Hogan raps these 20... No. <laughs> what are you going to do? And and I saw, I saw a Twitter thread about that yesterday that, Part of the shaking out right now is these n- newfangled amateur investors trying to figure out where to find a floor, you know? Yeah. I, this was a concern that I think you and I had way before last October was just saying, you know, the, the swings, and this is my personal opinion. I don't really have much uh, to base this on other than anecdotal evidence. Uh, that's uh, what I like. Yeah. Uh, the swings in the market and I've been saying this for probably the better part of a decade, the swings are going to be bigger. They're just going bigger and they're going to come faster uh, going forward just because of uh, the amount of access people have to stock markets. Uh, the uh, information that is presented and people are making decisions on is getting uh, better for those that actually read it. Uh, and then there's also greater uh, media coverage, which is going to incite emotions and fear and greed and all sorts of you know FOMO and, and all that great stuff. So uh, I don't want to say get used to it, but I think this is going to be way more normal than it maybe used was, uh, you know, two decades ago. Uh, swings like this are going to be um, not unheard of. Dame, how excited are you for the new Jack Harlow album that dropped today? I've already listened to it three times. I don't know if I believe you. You shouldn't. Yeah. Okay. I, I have, um, okay. So, um, let's do the show. Do you got, uh, you got our picks pulled up in all their glory. Oh my gosh. Pete, I've got, I've got my spreadsheet set up. Uh, so it shows, uh, red for, for negative, uh, returns and, uh, just white background, uh, for the blood positive. There is a lot of blood. There will be blood. Okay. All right. Well, this is the whole segment. So am I um, choppy? Is my feed choppy? I know it looks like my video is choppy. Um, The video seems to be lagging the audio just a bit, but the audio is good. Okay, good. That's all that matters. Because that's how we get paid. That's right. Yeah, those big bucks. I don't even know what that means. Okay. Um, In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, every year, you and I, 
take a moment and make stock market predictions because we're geniuses <laughs> and we want to know what we think the best stock of the year is going to be, what the worst stock of the year is going to be, and where we think the S&P 500 will end up from a percentage standpoint of up or down for the year. And now that we've completed our fourth month of this calendar year, I want to know how we're doing. So, Dame, you are the keeper of this information. Uh, before you get into the details, is is one of us far exceeding the other in terms of uh, in terms of success here, or is it a mixed bag? Uh, it's mixed bag, but we are thoroughly trouncing each other in those respective categories. Okay, okay. Um, let's start with the the least. If you if you I mean, this is a judgment call, I'm asking you to make here. What's the least interesting contest? That I, I think, it's, think it's the S and P five hundred. Yeah, it's got to be. We got to start with the S and P. I think to to set to set the tone here a little bit. Pete, we uh, we submitted our guesses as to what we thought the S and P would end up uh, the end of the year this year. And frankly, if if I had to say what I think was going through our minds was, man, there's no way I can say that there's going to be a negative return this year. So yeah. I'm going to go with something very small and and you know meager and 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 just hope for the best. And uh, you guessed. Seven percent, yeah, seven percent up, up. Sorry, up. Four yeah. percent uh, up for myself was what that was. <laughs> Pete, uh, as of uh, sometime within the last twenty minutes, the S and P has a negative fourteen point four six return <laughs> for the year. So we are um, not doing great on that. I am technically beating you, technically, but, but I wouldn't what, call that a win. <laughs> what if you sell in May and go away? Is that what it is? Yeah, uh, you would be locking in a negative 14% return for the year if you sold right now. So, um, okay, so we're not we're not changing our bets here. No. Um, however, I'm curious. Where do you think it goes from here? I think it recovers from here a little bit, but I think it still finishes the year negative. I think you're going to end up winning this one. I think it's going to be right. I think it's going to be anywhere from minus four to four. Yeah, um, I think we're going to have a really big dip in the next couple months about, about like it is now, And by the way, not worth acting on talk to your <laughs> financial advisor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, uh, I think it recovers. Uh, if, if you look historically, we have dips like, um, maybe not quite like this, but we have significant dips virtually every year yeah. in the stock market and it comes back and it's, it's okay. So uh, we're down right now, almost 15%, but it's going to be okay. All right, Dame. Now let's go to our picks of the year, the, the highest performing stocks of the year. I believe I chose Cushman Wake and Wakefield, the commercial real estate company. Okay. You know, I thought I started out okay. Uh, I took a look earlier this week. Not so great. Not so great, Dame. Dame, how is my pick for the year, my best performing stock pick of the year? How is it performing right now? Uh, Cushman Wakefield started the year um, flat-ish, didn't stay there very long, started going underwater pretty quick, uh, and actually just kept sinking like a stone. So uh, right now you are negative 16.78% in Cushman Wakefield. That is your winner pick of the year. So it is not only underwater, it is lagging the S&P 500. <laughs> By the way, uh, just a note here. Ne I'll speak for myself. Don't ever follow my stock picks. Ever. 
Yeah, I, you and Jan, J, uh, Jim Cramer don't listen to either of those two. Can we talk about this for a second? Yeah. How can someone go on TV? Now, these people are smarter, uh, smarter than me, at least. Mm-hmm. They're not smarter than you, but they're smarter than me. This is their world. How can you go on TV and tell people what to invest in specifically with any degree of confidence? I've... Like I'm in the media, I'm in the financial world. I've just simply not understood the gusto that it takes to do that. Uh, that's how much they believe in themselves and their technical analysis uh, of of the things that they are purchasing and telling people to buy. Uh, you know, people do this for a living, Pete. And if uh, if they've got that background and they've got that personality, they're going to step up there and say, "I'm going to be a shining light of financial knowledge to the people." And here's what they should be doing to make sure that they are prepared financially for the rest of their lives. I saw a Twitter account about two weeks ago, some big crypto account that was like, it's going, it's going to 50 K Bitcoin's going to 50 K market in the next 10 days. It was, it's at 38 and it's like, first of all, I mean, it goes into the regular, the regulatory Mm -hmm. nature of, of advice and guidance and predictions. We're doing it for fun, but just like, man, there's CNBC is uh, in the lobby of our office building here. Mm-hmm. So you walk out to go to the bathroom or whatever, and you're watching it. People are just like, you know, Ford's going to be up 13% this year. And it's like, what are you, how? I don't know. Uh, Dame, what was your best pick of the year? Twitter? Well, I will get to Twitter. I, it, it's my best performing pick of the year. It wasn't on the right side of the ledger, though. Okay, uh, what was your pick? I cheated and went with Brookshire Hathaway for my best pick of the year. I basically picked a mutual fund that's a stock. Uh, and uh, you know what? It's paying off. Uh, it's been up a lot this year. It's come back to earth recently, like everything else, or at least it's above uh, the soil line and not underneath it. 4.89%, Pete. 4.89%. I have made money with my winning pick this year. Wildly outpacing the market. Crushing it. That did feel like it. I mean, it was clever. It was a clever pick. Does feel like cheating. There were no stipulations put on my pick or your pick. And so I went with what I knew and I put my faith in the Oracle of Omaha. What are the loser picks of the year? Um, I believe yours was Twitter, was it not? Mine was Twitter. And thanks to Mr. Musk, he has quashed my dreams for winning uh, just an outright sweep in this challenge this year. Uh, I was... I was beating you very badly uh, with that prior to Mr. Musk taking Twitter private or making his bid to take it private. And it went immediately from down like 15% for the year to now it's up uh, 14.53% for the year. So thank you, Elon. You can send me a Tesla as compensation and we'll move on. Are you saying love me tender? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) How many, how, uh, how many people use that joke within the last three weeks? Too many. Yeah, too many. Um, okay, so so your worst pick of the year is, is actually beating... My good pick for the year, yeah. Okay, what is my worst pick of the year? Pete, I, I have to say I scoffed when you made this pick because I thought there's no way. Uh, Amazon, you picked Amazon, Pete. It is down nearly 32% right now for the year. Let me tell you, as an Amazon shareholder, <laughs> when when you're right, this was this was the logic, by the way, that if it went down, that at least I could feel good because I beat you in this. 
it's at a 52 week low today. It's 1500 points off of its high, which was September 13th of 21. Oh, yikes. I did look at my uh, brokerage account last night <laughs> in anticipation of this discussion. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. All right, I, so I am dominating you yeah. in that one by some 45 or whatever the math is, percent, 46%, 47%. All right, so we will check in in a couple months to see what has changed. Um, good luck, Dame. You know what? I hope you beat me in the worst pick for two separate reasons. Yeah, number one, yeah. <laughs> I want to make my money back. Then number two... Uh, I'm going to hold that additional thought that I was about to share, but uh, correct. All right, Dame, let's do this. Come back after the break. There was a story this week in USA Today about journalism students predicting what their wages would be upon graduation. And Dame, I think I sniffed out a problem here. Mm. We're going to talk about that problem. That is uh, next here, right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. I ended six seconds early, primarily so my EP would have to like play like more John Cougar Mellencamp. You know, extra Mellencamp, yeah, free Mellencamp for the people. Um, okay, what do we got here? Amazon will come back when Rivian starts producing vehicles in mass. Jeremy says, "Okay, well, Jeremy would know. I mean, why would he know? He flies planes. He doesn't. I don't know. I like him. I, I, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt." Uh, Jeremy did tell me, by the way, uh, that, that now is the best time for people to go get their pilot's license and buy a plane with their friends to start traveling around the country uh, so they aren't subject to uh, all of the delays that are happening in the, the air industry and will continue to happen for a while. Oh, okay. Um, how about the winning channel? Keeping an eye just on come that? Through? Yeah. I missed it. Love to see that. Oh, sorry. We have a Slack channel when business development team gets a win and it just pings us all. That's sort of fun. Okay, Dame. Um, let me pull up that article here, please. <laughs> uh, makes good for good for good listening. Us just browsing the internet. Yeah. yeah that's great. <laughs> Let's hope the sound for this video doesn't start up. Okay, here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm going to end up reading a lot. This is like our, our buddy Joe Salcihai, when he does his show, they end up reading actually a, a articles that they didn't talk about. Um, so this is going to seem like stacking Benjamins today. I'm going to read articles. Um, all right. So, Dame, here we go. In three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame, do you ever read USA Today? Uh, occasionally. I mean, the digital edition, not the actual tree-based edition. There was an article this week by Wyatt Grantham Phillips, the man with three last names. <laughs> this okay, is yeah. Wyatt Grantham yeah. Phillips. So we're not here to make fun of people's names, so I won't do that. Uh, his uh, article, here's the opening paragraph. Today's college students expect to make about $103,880 in their first post-graduation job, a survey suggests. But the reality is much lower as the average starting salary is actually about half that at $55,260 statistics show. 
So Dame, let's rip off the Band-Aid on this topic. How surprised are you to learn that the average 22-year-old is seen double when it comes to the job prospects? Not at all. Uh, for quite a while, I think we've we've known that for whatever reason, uh, it's often true that uh, college graduates and unfortunately, oftentimes graduates in, in certain fields overestimate greatly the earning power of their degree uh, upon graduation. And unfortunately, maybe five, 10 years down the road as well. And part of me has to wonder and start to connect dots. Is that part of the reason that we're having issues with student loan repayments? Uh, they, they thought they were going to be making more. Okay, so you've tapped into where I'm going with this. Dame, I'm feeling especially aggressive today. It could be the fresh cold taste of Miguel, uh, Kirkland's cold brew, 100% Colombian coffee that I'm drinking right now. Dame, who is to blame that a, a graduating college senior thinks they're going to make twice what they're really going to make. Like we're, we're blaming people. We're naming names. Okay. Who is to blame for this? I, now it's going to be, what, what do we call that? Uh, they call it in the insurance business. Um, you know, I'm talking about like cumulative blame or something like aggregate blame or something like that, where you get a percentage of the blame for the accident. I can't think of it. Yeah, but we'll just go with that. Sure. Um, oh, it's, it's on the, I'll think of it when you're talking. What? Who's, who's at the top of the list? Number one person to blame. Pete, this answer is going to shock you. It depends. If they are actually being told by the uh, institution that they are going to attend, that they should anticipate having this sort of income upon graduation with this degree, it's clearly the institution's fault. However, you can't put it all on the institution. There has to be a little bit of legwork done. I mean, they're journalism majors. Shouldn't they be investigating some of these things? Uh, trying to figure out exactly what they're going to be earning, what the prospects look like, and realizing that not everybody goes to work for the New York Times. Not that I'm saying that they pay their, their first years some tremendously great salary, but that most of the journalism jobs are going to be in mid-markets and, and potentially even smaller markets. And you're going to have to climb that Climb that uh, corporate ladder there for a while to, to try and get the income that you think you deserve. So specific within the article, journalism students were the least realistic. They expected 139% more than the median journalist starting salary, projecting to make $107,040 one year after graduating. Well, the average salary in that industry is actually $44,800. Um, I, I am feeling excessively aggressive today, so I want to go a little further here. What if when you entered a school within a university, you know, a journalism school, an economics school, a business school, <laughs> Chris, by the way, I'm laughing. nothing better than when the host of a show laughs at something he reads and then doesn't acknowledge it. But I'm going to uh, director of education, queen of education here at your money line. Uh, Kristen Alenius just noted rip Pete's email inbox. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. That's what's about to happen, especially when I say this. On the on your your your, your course catalog, it should have listed the average income of someone mm -hmm. who's graduated from that school. And and I know 
that education is not just for income. It's for enlightenment and bettering ourselves. But how can a kid go through a school and not know what's coming? There is a giant wolf spider in my studio, and I don't know if I'm going to save myself <laughs> from it. Oh, my gosh. I think I think you'll still win that one, Pete. Oh, and the people are like, don't kill it. Don't kill it. It's like, it's going to kill me. Hmm. Dame, what do you think? Why can't we put average income, even the data from that school, mm-hmm. in the course catalog? This is old guy gripey Pete. Yeah, I, I mean, that just makes too much sense to do that. And then you can actually start to compare the average salary that you're going to get versus the student loans that you're going to be taking out or maybe the overall cost of the degree that you're getting, which is... If I had to guess, probably the main reason that they don't do that is because they don't want people to say, oh, man, I'm going to pay twice as much for this education. I'm only going to make you know half of, of what I pay for for uh, my income when I get out. That's math doesn't add up real well, because frankly, if you want enlightenment, there are these places called libraries that have books that you can read for free to get that same enlightenment and then maybe watch some courses online to help you interpret some of those things if you need that help. So uh, if you're going to college specifically for enlightenment, there might be cheaper alternatives. However, if you want to go to learn skills that will pay off in the long run, college, pretty good place to do it. However, you got to know what you're paying for. You got to know what you're going to earn. And it'd be really nice if there was a little more transparency in that process. I feel Pete, like we're Pete. How's we're, the wolf spider doing? Well, I, the wolf spider's encroaching on my personal space. I'm getting sweaty in my armpits as it approaches. Dame, I, I, I feel like we are encroaching on some some spicy hot takes here. So I just I do want to be somewhat reasonable. But consider this: what if? And I'm just talking what if. If a school within a university set tuition based on what the average person could earn. So I'm not here to pick on theater majors, but let's say the average theater major uh, makes uh, $24,000 a year upon graduation. Shouldn't that school be less expensive than the business school where the average wage might be like $65,000? Am I, I know what I'm saying is probably sacrilege in, in many ways, but thoughts on that? Why do you hate theater majors? That's what I, uh, but <clears throat> I mean, you could also make the other argument that, how long have we heard that we there's a shortage of STEM majors in in the country? Why not make STEM cheaper and make everybody else who's going to have uh, you know a degree that uh, may not pay off uh, quite as well inflate the cost of that to potentially discourage people from going into that? I, it's funny how college is, we we talk so much about money in college now, student loans and those sorts of things, yet somehow we avoid talking about money in a college degree. Like how can we talk so much about numbers and money and the the implications of a certain type of education without actually talking about the income at the beginning of it? Like, I I know I'm not discovering some fresh hot take here. And now that the wolf spider has gone out of sight for me now, I am, that's in my studio. I am terrified. Mm. But how can we not, be up front and center about industry average pay. Uh, we should be. And frankly, this was a question or a little conversation you and I had earlier this week. If you look at the cost of tuition in the state of Indiana, for example, somewhere between eight and $12,000 a year for the state uh, schools. 
that doesn't seem all that unreasonable uh, for uh, to me. But it's when you start laying, layering in all those other costs, tuition, room and board, uh, that things may start to get a little out of hand for most people's finances. So if the education itself is affordable, how can we control some of those other cost factors, which is a question that most families have to wrestle with themselves. I have a liberal arts degree and my major is business administration. So, uh, I, I feel like that. uh, First of all, I love my liberal arts degree. Just if we're being honest here for a second, I feel like it really made me think differently. Um, but I was in the business school, right? So I, I feel like the average wage justified the expense. So anyway, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show and current events. That's next. I'm Pete, the planner. This is the Pete, the planner show. Oh, Dame, that spider was the size of, oh, oh, a real, (laughs) what's real, a Reese's cup. It's the size of a Reese's cup. I am going to project it onto the screen right now. I've got some fancy camera work I'm going to do. People on the podcast, this is why you must watch the live show. Holy Moses, that is the size of uh, like a Kit Kat that had been sat on. Um, hold on, Dave. What, what are you going to put down there for scale? Can you put your hand down there by it for scale? Okay, hold on. Oh boy. Oh my God. Oh, oh, I got to transfer. Okay, hold on. Hold on. We. It, okay, wait. Can you see it? No. Right there. Hold on, Pete. It just looks like part of your car. I can't. Okay, I see your carpet moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. It's not. If, if that makes its way under the door, we're going to be down a coworker. Like that could you better, that thing you could better, kill somebody. You better go warn your coworkers that there's certain death looming on the side. Oh, my, of look the at door. it, Pete. It's those are what like twelve by twelve square pieces for carpet in there. Uh, maybe that, uh, maybe they're a little bit. Don't do. No, those are twelve by twelve. Look at it. It's got a backpack it's, on. It's got a Jan Sport backpack. You know what? Those aren't back. That's not a backpack, Pete. Those are all the little babies that are hanging on to be transported around the office. I hate you, and I mean that. Okay, hold on. Oh my god! Should I go warn people? It's how, so big. You know how, what? I'm getting up. We're walking over to it. Okay, hold on. I can't broadcast. You're gonna have to. All right, folks. Here we go. live action cam with Pete the Spider Hunter. This is how Steve Irwin wished he could have gone. Getting closer, uh, he's lost it because it's it's like the size of a it's the size of a nickel. What is he doing? I've never been more embarrassed for Pete in my life. This is. I'm sorry, everyone. That's that's okay. Hold on, I'm back. Well, I can't hear you yet. I need a cantina or something. You just need more Miguel. Maybe the spider wanted Miguel. Did you see that? Barely. This is why you carry a church knife, you know? Church knife? When I went to church as a kid, I would I had a Swatch watch Swiss Army <laughs> knife. And I would take it with me in case there was a church intruder. I could like file their nails or something. So every time I carry a pocket knife, I called it church knife. Oh, well, I, you know, a swatch watch Swiss army knife. I'm going to have to Google that. All right. Um, 
Oh my god. Okay, let's uh, continue the show here. Can I'm you gather shook. yourself and make? No, I'm a little shook. Point? I'm a little shook. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, nickel-sized spiders will do that to you. No, Rick, I don't always have a knife. Dame, you carry a knife. You're you right? Uh-oh. This is daily carry. When you get pull out. Is this when the Krav Maga fails you? If you get a cramp in your hand? No, this is if I need to cut something, Pete. Um, I, I was with listener of the show, Jason, uh, at an event this week. And he he was loving some Krav Maga talk. It was pretty Yeah? Fun. Yeah. But I mean... My side of the Krav Maga so, talk. Say, how, how much did you contribute to that conversation? A lot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, I got to get biggest way. I'm I'm shaking. It's uh it's it's handy that that conversation didn't happen when I was there. Dame, would it surprise you to learn that Mrs. Planner takes care of the spiders in our home? No, not at all. It does not surprise you. No. Okay. Not after that display. Mm. 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 Girl, how about how about mice? Uh, I take care of mice, but we yeah, know, like, my, but we don't have a lot of mice. There are a lot of spiders. So yeah, it's close to chipmunks, so I could see how you'd handle mice. Rick Swink says, "I used to carry three knives, but I sure. found a Leatherman and a couple extra accessories to trade two mm-hmm. for one, so now I only carry two. What are you, Edward Scissorhands? Why do you have that many blades, Rick? No, Jeez. you might have a might have a fixed one that's a little bit more robust for uh, bigger jaws or a small uh, pocket knife. Uh, what are you, a Cutco some... salesman? <laughs> no, but uh, have one that's for kind of an everyday use to to open things and you know cut cardboard stuff like that because that just damages blades super quick. So there's there's all sorts of reasons to carry multiple blades. Okay, I'm I'm between the lack of food, the copious amounts of caffeine, and the the threat of that arachnid to my soul. Oh, someone just said they could carry a spider co. That's not fun. Yes. That was a real, it's a knife brand. Pete. No, I think so, he's trying to make fun of the spider in the studio. It's the, 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 the sage carbon fiber. That's, that's nice choice. Three, two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete, the planner show is the Daheen 1920 pocket tee. Cut and sewn in Portland, Oregon, this heavy-duty T-shirt is a prime example of Dehens, Dehens, no one knows, commitment to making long-lasting quality products. Each shirt is made from cotton jersey fabric knit and is crafted to be the most functional item in your drawer. How do you, time out. Dame, how do you say drawer? Drawer. Say it again. Drawer. Doesn't it feel like there should be more involved? It does, but I'm in northern Indiana, and that's about as involved as we get. Drawer. No, no, no. Drawer. Don't, don't overcomplicate it. Just drawer. This is a standalone tee. It's not meant to be an undershirt. So this is in the copy. Another timeout. How many timeouts do I get per bomb? Uh, one full two thirties. Okay, this is a 30. This is a standalone tee. It's not meant to be an undershirt. So this shirt, which okay. is going to be the biggest waste of the week, now they're telling you that you can't place something on top of it, which just seems pretty high maintenance. Yeah. It's finished with a single chest pocket, a zigzag stitch at the neck label, and is built to stand the test of time. Available in white, black, or heather gray. Here's my beef with this thing. My beef with this tee. Like a white shirt, a white undershirt. Oh, it's not even an undershirt. A white shirt is not going to stand the test of time unless you like white and yellow shirts. Yes. Dame, how much would you guess this Daheen 1920 
outer shirt <laughs> costs a brother? I would pay zero because I am not a pocket guy on on uh, t-shirts like this or oh uh, just, no? it doesn't no I, I don't I don't care for them so uh, t-shirt uh, the inflation in the t-shirt market uh, is I, I can't understand it frankly um, and this is is just like per t-shirt not at like a three pack or something no like no that. no these I don't think Taheen okay. sells the 1920 pocket tees in a three pack. Is the uh, material actually from the 1920s? No, it's just it's newly made okay. cotton jersey fabric knit. Uh, I would say that these are going to go for um, $110 each. Uh, you missed it. It's $58, but I will say this. $58 for one t-shirt seems like a bit much. And, and, and I also have to know, like, this feels like a thick shirt. Based on how they described it, who wants a thick t-shirt? Only one way to find out, Pete. You're going to have to order yourself one. Dane, what's in the news this week? Pete, on page 108 of the uh, 1040 tax guide this year, okay, you're going to find a chart that estimates the average burden, quote, average burden for taxpayers when it comes time to file. Burden, in this case, is referring to the amount of time as well as the amount of money spent to file. Hmm. There are two classes. Uh, non-business taxpayers and business taxpayers. We're going to stick with non-business uh, for this uh, this little guessing game that uh, makes Whoa. up 70, 72% of the, uh, the filers. Pete, how many hours would you guess the IRS estimates someone is going to spend preparing, well, sorry, uh, with record keeping, tax planning, form completion and submission, and all other time needed how many hours is that going to add up to non-business non-business i just by the way i felt something on my face i swore it was that spider i had to look in the camera non-business six hours nine nine hours nine hours for the average taxpayer's burden to take care of their taxes that seems that seems high to me but does that include hiring uh, someone to help you or does that just mean preparing the stuff for someone to help you? Record keeping, tax planning, form completion and submission. That is three hours, by the way. Form completion and submission. Three hours. And a little slush for the all other. Uh, so I, I, clearly I hire someone to do my taxes because I'm an idiot. Um, not because I'm an It's just I can't do it myself is what I'm saying. Um I wonder how long it takes for them to prepare my personal taxes. Business, complicated. Personal, not so much. What do you think? Your business is going to flow into your personal, though. So I know, but once that's done, I mean, what, what do you think? Okay, 30 well, minutes? Not 20? Long. 10? Not long. I, frankly, they probably scan it all into a scanner, and it auto-populates into a form. Nine hours is aggressive. What Do, I, do they have the expense associated with that in that, that news story? 160 bucks. And what's that Which, based on? Like, I don't know. Uh, it's just IRS information, secret yeah, information. I spend more than that, but I also don't spend nine hours, so it's worth it to me. But you you probably technically fall somewhere in between non-business and business as well. It's 470 uh, for business, which I don't know. There's no way that that's right. That it's pronounced right. business. Business, sorry. What else is in the news? Well, Pete... Uh, mortgage rates rose this week, continuing an upward trend that pushed rates 
more than uh, two percentage points higher this year. The 30-year fixed rate is now 5.27%, up from 5.1% the week before, according to Freddie Mac. It's the highest since 2009 and well above the 2.96% average from this time last year. I think this is going to slow the housing market. It almost has to. I am, uh, as we speak here, I'm trying to quickly find a way to uh, calculate the difference, what that what it will actually mean from a payment perspective. And of course, I'm struggling to do this. Uh, here we go. I will do this. Um, Dame. I'm struggling to do this. Okay, loan amount. Here we go. Let's say $250,000 home at a 3% interest rate because they were at 3%. Are you going to go 3.25? Sure. 3.25. Uh, 30 year. The monthly payment for a $250,000 loan is 1,088. Okay. Okay. 1,088 on a $250,000 loan at a 3.25% rate. Now at 5.25, it's 1,380. So about 30% more. Welcome to the housing market coming back down to earth, everybody. Yeah. Soon. Very, very soon. I do. I, I think you know, again, we we said it last week. We said it two weeks ago. A recession is a solution to a problem, mm-hmm. and it's about to happen. And uh, these interest rate hikes are going to cool off the economy, as hoped. Not the no solution weird. everybody was hoping for, though. No, I know, but it's so weird. It's like to solve this problem, we, it's got to hurt before it gets better. Yeah, and the question becomes: uh, Is it going to be a soft-ish landing, or is it just going to be an absolute crash? We'll find out. Stay, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, what else is in the news? Chicago enjoys plenty of fresh drinking water thanks to its location on Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. Now, Mayor Lori Lightfoot's office plans to tie the city's brand to the lake by putting Chicago's tap water into cans under the name Chicago. The cans will be available for free at various events throughout the city this summer as well as locations around the city. Pete, have you ever jones for some... Chicago tap water. No, in fact, like I, I go to Chicago frequently and I, I've had their water and I, at no point in time have I'm like, you know what? I wish they would can this and sell it. Uh, I did have a water thought this week, by the way. Um, I don't know why. I'm not even talking about Aqua Greg, our coworker who drinks the entire, you know, five gallon thing of water every day. Uh, Aqua Greg. Um, do you think there's like some THC water product called like hell or high water or something like that i don't this like is sort of little drops that yeah there should be then that high water isn't that a great name for like a, a weed water i mean why did you say that? this why did you say this on the radio we could have made millions off of this i used i blew it yeah but i don't want to i don't want to be in that business patent patent pending patent uh, trademark pending there you have one other short story for us? Yeah, I do. Uh, the jersey worn by Argentina's Diego Maradona when he scored his famous Hand of Hand God of goal God. in the 1986 World Cup just sold for... Like $7 million or something like that. Right? $9.3 million at a Sotheby's auction. It's the most expensive piece of sports memorabilia ever sold at auction, topping the $8.8 million uh, tag paid for the original modern Olympic manifesto in New York in 2019. Speaking of the beautiful game, Man City blew it in the Champions League versus Real Madrid this week in what was the greatest collapse I've ever seen on a pitch. Alas, no one cares. That's all we have time for this week on the show. City good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. 
I'm Pete the Planner, and this was the Pete the Planner show. It really was just abysmal. Damn. Uh, the fact that you were watching soccer or... Uh... I love soccer. No, but can I tell you about my, the 13-year-old girl's soccer update? Mm. We put it to this team on Monday night to the point that, like, I didn't feel bad, but it was approaching feeling bad. Oh. And we play this team on Sunday, too. And we played them on six-inch grass because it was, like, mm-hmm. really long grass, uh, which is hard. Like, when you're... Our, our team's, like, track stars. Our, our, they're so fast on our team. Our team's faster than everybody. Six-inch grass makes it more even. Mm-hmm. We're playing on turf on Sunday. It's poor girls on the other team. They don't know what's going to hit them. This show airs an hour and a half after the game will have taken place on Sunday. So it's conceivable that these young women and their families are on the way home from the game, maybe stop to get some, uh, some ice cream to, to wound or to, 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 uh, you know, soothe their wounds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to make a prediction? Nope. Nope. My predictions have not been going well recently. You, uh, do you want to call into the station, see if they can insert uh, a little, uh, little bumper, uh, before the segment, uh, or after the segment, to get update everybody. I do want to share a little piece of news with you. Oh. The girls on the team have started mocking how early I get to the game, to the practices. They've started making fun of me of like, I'm way too early. Like 13 year old girls are like, what do you do? What's wrong with you? Let's say uh, I I happen to be a business owner and bad news girls. If you're going to go into the uh, world of employment, you better be early too. That's what your employer is going to anticipate. With your uh, with your kids' sports, the Aquadons, and mm-hmm. and even when they were on land a bit, do you ever see one of their teammates um, perform on the field or the pool and think, "God, I want to hire that kid one day"? Just like like how they conduct themselves and like how they go all out. I, every time I watch my soccer team, I'm the assistant. There's a couple girls on the team. I'm like, I want to hire that person someday because they're ridiculous. They will never give up. Yeah, I've seen some tremendous um, achievements uh, as well as efforts uh, that have been given. But just how some of the uh, the athletes approach what they do, even at a, at a young age, it's not like they they are um, you know being forced or, or influenced to do it by by parents. Uh, they truly love it, and they they want to do whatever it's going to take to make them get better uh, in age appropriate ways, uh, obviously, but. Um, there it's just different for some people and there's no better illustration than seeing what people do when they're they're not prompted agreed dame i hope you have a wonderful weekend i just wanted to prove with this last bit of banter that i wasn't in a hurry to get off the air today Mm. Mm. but i gotta go i got a lot of stuff to do all right dame uh good to see you good to see everybody else thanks for being here stay getting money